Hey guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my guys, Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines. Chad, look out, but the Cubs are actually surging more than we actually thought. What do you think of what's going on on the north side? Rhino, I'm stoked. If you look at the month of May and the fact this team swept the Dodgers and just looking back at the the Detroit series, the Washington series, winning both of those, you got to feel good being over 500, you know, at this point in the season. And uh, I know there's a lot of meat left on that bone, but uh, things are looking up. Yeah, they are looking up. But some of the things that aren't so much are Jed Hoyer's recent comments about the disappointment he has in the team not reaching the 85% level needed to relax those COVID restrictions. We're going to get into that. Plus, the return of the prodigal sons. John Lester and Kyle Schwarber make their triumphant return to Wrigley Field. And man, did Wrigley roll out the the red carpet, so to speak, for him. And who's the next ex-Cub that should get a tribute video? We're going to talk about all that as well. And another triumphant return, but this is the triumphant return to the Cubs Friendly Confines podcast, and the most notably seventh inning stretch guest conductor. We've got Alex Cohen back. You might know him. You probably know him uh, because you've seen him on the Marquee Network lately. He is the voice of the AAA Iowa Cubs. He's making his second appearance on the Friendly Confines. Alex is an absolute friend of the show, one of my favorite people to listen to when I'm listening to minor league baseball. I think he's got a great future. He talks about in the first week of the season, he called a no-hitter. The first no-hitter in minor league uh, play in about 700 days. He talks about the return of the minors after taking the longest layoff ever last year in 2020. He talks about an incredible gesture that his uh, uh, his owner uh, did uh, uh, by keeping everybody on payroll. They even showed up on House Hunters. We're going to talk about that. All that and much more. Stick around because the Friendly Confines podcast starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Chad, let's start as we always do in the first inning. And the Cubs over 500 as they sit a few games over 40 games at this point going into the weekend. So my question to you right off the bat, are the Cubs in a place where you thought they'd be at this point in the season or not so much? And you think they should be even better than where they are so far into the season? Where do you stand so far on that? I, I got to be honest. I'm I am optimistic. I'm I'm in on this team, and I'll tell you why. You sweep the LA Dodgers. That's a good team. You win the series against the Pirates. Yes, it was a rough series in in Cleveland, but it was a pair of one run games. Then you win the series against Detroit. Then you win the series against the Nationals. Right now, this weekend series with the Cardinals. I mean, this is going to give the team an opportunity to to see where they stand. It's going to give them an opportunity to see how they measure up against right now. What's the class of the National League Central? So um, is this where I thought they would be? This is what I'll share with you. This is where I hope they would be after the way the season started. So you know, so poorly. And so the fact that, that, that they're over 500, they've got a positive run differential, which I think is incredibly important. You're scoring more runs than your opponents are scoring overall. And, and the last, you know, the times they've lost lately have been close games, one run games that with a little bit of luck one way or the other, they could, they could have won those games. But for me, this is not a bad situation to be in, especially when we were talking about being sellers at the trade deadline. The fact that this team could, 
absolutely be in first place. This team could be well into first place going into June in the National League Central. And that's what, I, what I've always said as you know, we're, we're only 40 some games in. It only matters you make the postseason now in Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter how many you win. You've got to get in there, be healthy, and get on a roll. We're a long ways away from the postseason, but this team right now is, is in spitting distance to the, the Central Division. All right, so I'm actually impressed with where they're at, Chad, but for different reasons. So I kind of had a feeling this was the sort of team we'd see, right? A team hovering or maybe one or two games above 500, but knowing the circumstances of how this team got there, right? We've seen injuries. We've seen this team, you know, play with a lot of spare parts. And yet we're seeing a team that's responding and, and a team that has not given up at all on this season. They have a manager who believes in them, a team that is giving a lot of effort and, and a ball club that regardless of who is playing and who's not playing, they have a very strong mentality of next man up. And I'm actually impressed by that. So while their record is where I thought it would be before the season started around what I figured, you know, this is kind of the type of team it would be. I have to say that as I have obviously seen this team play, knowing what we have seen from this team and the interchangeable parts of players coming in and out of the lineup and in the rotation for that matter, I'm actually impressed with how this team has been playing based on the fact that they have the record they do. And now with a great opportunity, as you said, to sit in first place after this weekend, if they can take care of business in St. Louis. Well, let's move on to the second inning. And we discussed this during our studio show on Monday, uh, the disappointment that the Cubs are one of those teams that has not hit that threshold of 85% vaccination rate uh, for COVID-19. And now uh, we've heard uh, off, we've heard from uh, the, the leader of the Cubs, Jet Hoyer, he is very disappointed and will reach the threshold for the coronavirus protocols. What's your take on this, Ryan? What do you think? Is there, there, there's a lot of thoughts around people, whether it's culturally, you know, being a little leery about, about vaccines, maybe that's holding it back. Um, there's others that uh, just it's a personal choice. But uh, I'm concerned. What do you think? Well, it's interesting because a lot of people in baseball believe it's a competitive advantage for teams to get to 85 percent. Right. So fewer players are likely to test positive, changes the dynamic of contact chasing. Players who are close contact with players who have it won't have to sit out games as they await testing. So these are things that Jed Hoyer brought up in his news conference. And in addition, you know, the way that they interact in the clubhouse. These are things that Jed Hoyer is disappointed that he's not going to be able to see because the Cubs are not at that 85% threshold. Is it a competitive advantage? I don't know. I, I, I can't sit here and say for certain it is or it isn't. I mean, we don't know exactly which teams are vaccinated and which ones aren't. I mean, certain teams they've said they have and they haven't. But teams like the Detroit Tigers, Chad, they're all 85% vaccinated and, and or maybe more. Has that helped them this year? No, I don't think so. They're in, you know, second to last or last place in their division. The Cardinals are at 85%. Has it helped him or helped that team? I don't know. I mean, they are in first place, but are they that much better than the rest of the NL central, including the Cubs? So for me, I, I find it interesting that that was kind of the route that Jed Hoyer went because at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much of advantage or disadvantage it gives teams based on how vaccinated or how many players are vaccinated at this point. What about you? 
you know, this doesn't feel like a baseball topic, but it is a baseball topic. And bear with us, listeners. When you are at that 85% threshold, it changes a lot of things because then players can go without masks in the dug- dugout in the bullpens. Uh, they're able to eat and drink on flights. They can gather together in indoor spaces uh, without masks or social distancing. Um, and, and also, electronic tracing isn't in play. So what that basically means is, if you aren't vaccinated and somebody tests positive and the electronic tracing shows that you are close to that person, even without symptoms, you're off the team through the protocols, through a number of positive tests. So it does have effects and it could hurt this team at the wrong time. But the, there are players on this team, many players on this team that are choosing not to take part. There are staff members that are choosing not to take part and it's going to have an effect. And will that affect um, the competitiveness of this team will they they lose some key players at a key point in time because of of, of a mass you know uh, testing event who knows that remains to be seen um, but it is frustrating because there are a lot of teams that have actually hit this threshold the Cubs is, as Hoyer said he's not even sure they will hit the threshold he thinks they may be stagnating and the fact that all of these players have had the opportunity to get a vaccine by this time and they haven't that lets me know we probably at our breaking point all right so with that let's move on to the third inning Chad and we talked about the players not necessarily reaching that 85% of vaccination rates. But if you are a fan and you did get vaccinated, you have the opportunity not only to get free hot dogs, but you can sit in center field of the bleachers and uh, be able to watch your team as in the Chicago Cubs play. So uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. And I would say to you then, how exciting is it to finally be able to have a tier of fans that is not counted in the category of uh, 25% to be able to fill up the ballpark a little bit more. And everyone kind of gets that vibe of being able to kind of sit next to each other again and and have that baseball feel. What's your takeaway on that? I think I heard you correctly, but I want to make sure that doesn't count against the 25. So that's more fans. That's more cheers. So the 25, it's it's beyond. And as a Cubs season ticket holder, which I'll say that often, I I get those, the communications that, and we always try to share that as we can. Um, I'm excited about the the, the initial step, which is a week from now against the Reds on May 28th, the Cubs are going to move to, or Wrigley's going to move to 60%. I'm more excited about that then that section at the very top of the bleachers right below the scoreboard, which I've never sat there in my life because it's just not a great vantage point. Uh, It's the cheap seats of cheap seats, Um, but it's a unique shot, you know, obviously in the bleachers. What I love about it is you've got fans side by side. You've got people without masks. You've got people cheering, hugging, screaming. Yeah, it's it's it it looks like things looked back in the 2019 season. So I like that because it's a glimmer of hope. It's a glimmer of the future, hopefully, that we'll have. I'm more excited about that 60%. I'm more excited. But then again, keep in mind, 60%, that's a bad game in April with bad weather against a bad team crowd. So, you know, the, the thought of, of, of a, of a game in June against the Cardinals or July at 60% is kind of sad, but yet it's a step in the right direction because opening day when it was 25% capacity, it was empty and it, it just, it was lifeless. The fact that we're going to have a big group of players that are a big group of fans that are, that are all cheering their heads off and having that sense of camaraderie in the bleachers. I am so excited to see that. And I can't wait for more of the bleachers to get picked off.
Yeah, I, I think it's a great move. I mean, like you said, maybe the seats aren't ideal, but I can understand maybe why that section was selected because it's kind of far enough away. It's like you're almost punishing people for getting vaccinated to some degree because you're putting them in, in the crummy seats in center field. But <laughs> I understand the, the logic behind it because it's, it's far enough where people can be together and they can all kind of gather and yet, you know, you can still watch the game and, and enjoy it. Um, I, I think for me, as you said, it's going to be different once they uh, open it up to 60%. And that's even though you said it's, you know, it's kind of like an April game when it's still chilly outside. But uh, also remember by July, the plan, I would like to think, is that they're going to be at 100% capacity. So hopefully as we see more people getting vaccinated in the city of Chicago, um, we're going to be able to see the rates go down and that more fans and, you know, the Cubs, are going to be able to allow, um, you know, a higher percentage. And, and hopefully by August or even September, Chad, and if the Cubs are in the race by then, you're going to see 100% capacity again at Wrigley Field. So for me, um, that's what, you know, I think everybody for that matter is, including yourself, being a season ticket holder. That's, of course, what everybody is, I think, most looking forward to uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, $20 a seat. Um, the I don't think any of the games well. It's just uh, they're, they're selling them on a, on a homestand by homestand basis. So I think only May 17th through the 20th, those are the games that you can buy in the fully vaccinated area. $20 a seat. That's not a bad price if you want to go see the Cubbies and you can be side by side with your fans. So speaking of big days and big nights at Wrigley Field, we had a big one this past week. And probably, I mean, according to Pat, uh, you know, according to Ron, uh, probably the best energy they said on the radio broadcast they'd seen all year. And, of course, we're talking about John Lester's return, triumphant return for the Cubs, however, um, to Wrigley on Monday along with Kyle Schwarber. You know, um, a lot of a lot of familiar faces on that Nationals team, uh, Rhino, and I think the Cubs did an amazing job. Uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, Kyle got the, the the number, you know, the nameplate from the the number from the scoreboard, and John got the seats and the W. Like John, I saw a meme that basically said, what you what I get for Christmas and what my sister gets for Christmas, like comparing, you know, yeah. somebody's more favored nation. Yeah, it, it was emotional. It was great. It was great that the Cubs could could do what they needed to do and win that series. But Kyle Schwarber with uh, a couple home runs uh, showed off, uh, I think, with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, what the Cubs are missing. Uh, what did you think about John and, and, and Kyle's return and, and did it hit you in the feels like it did me? I mean, it was certainly the most, uh, it was the biggest and most emotional game of the season so far. And at the end of the day, you know, the Cubs won. I, you know, it's funny, Chad, like, let me pitch this to you first, because I'm curious. Would you, I mean, obviously you wanted to see the Cubs win, but would you have been okay if the Cubs lost that game and you saw Lester pitch brilliant and Schwarber, you know, have a great game? Would no. you have been okay with that? Or, or are you happy with the no. outcome that Lester pitched terribly and and the Cubs won. Like, which one would you have preferred? I appreciate the question, um, and, and and for me, it's an easy one because we talked about this on our our studio show on Monday night, right after the game was over. It for me, that game kind of showed that that the Cubs made a good decision because the, the 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 team chased John Lester and and they were able to get to him and and they won that game. And so if, if John comes in and dominates this team and makes the offense look as futile as it has looked a couple of weeks ago, not so much in the last couple of weeks, and if Kyle came in and had some monstrous game, it would have made the front office look pretty bad and I think the fan base would have been thinking what were they doing? I think it gives 
you know, that result gave the team an opportunity, you know, to, to say, hey, you know, we did go in the right direction. John Lester's a legend in the Chicago Cubs history books. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't want him throwing a no hitter on us. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I would have been okay with the Cubs losing that game, especially if Lester <laughs> had pitched well, but I think you got the best of both worlds, right? Like I think the, the only outcome that I think would have been better is the Cubs win like one to nothing. Right. And Lester pitches like a brilliant game, but gives up like a solo home run to Anthony Rizzo. And, and, you know, that was basically how it went down like that to me, I think. So as long as the outcome was the Cubs winning, I was ultimately happy, but it would have been nice if we could have seen like one more kind of last hurrah from John and throwing, you know, another gem at Wrigley, which I know he wanted to do. And of course he want you know, he's really amped. Schwarber was really comfortable. As you said, he had a really good series. I mean, he hit two home runs, you know, over the course of four games and, you know, looked pretty solid. And as you said, you know, trying to make Cub fans a little jealous about him leaving and saying, Hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't have replaced me with Jock Peterson. But I, I think at the end of the day, it was an awesome night. The Cubs organization did such a great job of honoring both of them, recognizing their place in history with the team. And the fans, of course, did such a great job of, of course, you know, showing their support for what they did over the course of their career in Chicago. All right, now we'll move on to the fifth inning. And, you know, Rhino, after seeing that emotional tribute to Kyle Schwarber, I, I, on Monday night, I said it, there will never be another Major League Baseball player, as long as baseball's play will ever have a, a span like Kyle did from the postseason at 15 all the way to the World Series where he batted 400-plus and had the greatest single in the history of mankind for the Cubs to lead off the 10th inning to the amazing career that John Lester did and, and all the highlights of his career and everything he did to put the Cubs on the map starting in that 2015 year. Two emotional nights, two emotional video tributes that if you're a Cubs fan, you saw it, you absolutely got the feels. My question for you here in the fifth inning is, Who's going to be the next former Cub that's going to walk in in a, an opposing uniform and have the emotional reaction of a video tribute that we saw this past I really, week? Yeah, I really wanted to get creative with this answer, Chad. I really did. But I think there's only one obvious answer. And unfortunately, I think that answer is Chris Bryan. I think wherever Chris Bryan ends up uh, next season or potentially this season, depending on what happens with the trading deadline, um, I think Chris Bryant will not be with the team next year as much as it pains me to say that. And I think Chris Bryant is going to sign with another team. And whenever he comes back, whether that's with an American league team or a national league team, um, man, is he going to get the video tribute of a lifetime? I hope it's just Chris Bryant because we could be having this conversation two or threefold pending where Javi Baez or even for that matter, Anthony Rizzo goes um, next season as well, but I'm just going to go with one. So I'll say Chris Bryant is going to be the next player that is going to get that video tribute and uh, get honored by this ball club. Okay. Is there anybody that I missed? Do you have a better answer than I do on this one? I do. I do. And I do because I, I have the answer out of hope. I really, really do. Cause I think as long as this team remains competitive, as long as the front office, which has been one of the highest spending front offices in all of baseball. If they can figure out a way to bring the players back, why wouldn't you bring back a Chris Bryant? Why wouldn't you bring back an Anthony Rizzo? Why wouldn't you bring back, uh, you know, a Baez and Contreras? You know, why wouldn't you, if you could make it happen financially? So I don't want to put, I don't want to stake my name on any of those guys. I'm going to give the most obvious answer um, to me, which is Joe Madden. When the angels come back, that video tribute is going to be incredible. There's going to be incredible, 
um, uh, sound bites. There's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be wearing their try not to suck shirt. Um, Joe Madden is the next one that's going to be emotional because his place, you've even said it. You were, how does the guy that led this franchise to the promised land not have a lifetime contract and a statue out front? How do the Cubs let him go? He has such a core piece of this team and its success and this amazing run that they went on um, under his tenure before Rossi took over of all those postseasons and, and uh, three NLCS appearances, a World Series title. For me, it's Joe Madden. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's 100% a great answer, and I like that one much better than Chris Bryant. For sure. <laughs> so um, let's finish with this in the sixth inning before we get to our big interview with Alex Cohen from the Iowa Cubs, Chad. And the big story um, over the past week if you were watching the White Sox Twins game, your mean Mercedes hit a home run earlier in the week off a position player for the Twins while the White Sox were romping 15 to 4. And it ruffled some feathers on the Twins because apparently Mercedes hit the home run on a 3 0 count. And not only that, he apparently swung through a take sign that, according to Tony LaRussa, he completely missed. So after the game, Larusa kind of admonished Mercedes for swinging on a 3-0 pitch. And then the Twins retaliated the next day and then tried to hit Mercedes, which caused a, a whole hubbub. And Tony Larusa, of course, came out and he didn't really defend Mercedes, basically saying that he a problem with what the twins did and that he felt like he was clueless about the unwritten rules of baseball okay so let's tie this back to the cubs chad david ross basically said which now you see the opposites of old school manager and new school david ross said that if a position player is on the mound all rules are out the window and there should not be any sort of quote-unquote unwritten rules about what you should and shouldn't do when it comes to swinging or hitting home runs, or whatever the case may be. What do you take away from this whole week of this story and the fact that you have the old school manager on the south side in Tony La Russa and the, I guess if you want to call it, new school manager that the Cubs have in David Ross defending any sort of actions like that and the fact that he doesn't care about these unwritten rules? What do you think about all this? Well, first off, I'm glad that we've got the manager we have and we don't have the Neanderthal Tony La Russa. I mean, that, for me, I, I've never understood that pickup. If if this White Sox team marches to 100 wins or 98 wins and wins the World Series, hey, they were right. I am wrong. But comments like this are just so lost in time, just just absolutely bonkers. I don't understand it at all. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, you, you've got you've got one team that is trying to save their bullpen and they've given up the game. They've literally given up and they're throwing in um, a position player. Why wouldn't the other team be able to pad their stats? If, if it doesn't matter, then just throw your hands up and say, we quit. I mentioned that before. If, if, if you've got an issue with a person in a 3-0 count, at that point, it's not baseball anymore. It's just an exhibition. It's, it's fun. You know, every time loves it when everybody loves it when Rizzo does it. Everybody loves knowing that David Ross, you know, um, hit, you know, that, you know, uh, that, you know, he, you know, his first home run was, I think was against Mark Grace. You know, I think Ben Zobras struck out Yadier Molina. I mean, those are fun stories, but they don't matter. They do not matter. The irony of, of, of this whole situation is, they were trying 
to save their bullpen by throwing a position player out there. The very next day, they throw at him, and then they lose the guy to a suspension. It makes no sense. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I think it's silly, and I think these old unwritten rules are great fodder for the media and for columnists and for people getting all hot-blooded on uh, the radio and on podcasts, but it's ridiculous. The time has come for people to enjoy the bat flip, enjoy the chest thumping, enjoy the emotional game that baseball is, and if it's garbage time, then quit. Give up. But if you're still out there playing – Twins could have still batted. They still could have mounted some incredible comeback. It's happened before. They weren't going to stop trying when they were up to bat. So why should any player, including the White Sox? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I'm glad that David Ross had the take that he did. Um, And I'm sure that if there was something that went down for the Cubs, I have no doubt David Ross would have his teams back. I mean, he is close with these players. I think it just kind of shows you the different relationship that you have with the Cubs organization when it comes to a guy like David Ross, who played with these players, legitimately played, and a guy like Tony La Russa, who had been out of the game for 10 years, who is no doubt an old-school manager um, and, and somebody who clearly, you know, I mean, you, you can say out of touch. Here's my thing. I never understood this unwritten rules. Why doesn't somebody just write down the unwritten rules? And this way, then you know, people know the rules. Because you know what? I seem like I feel like there, there's these arbitrary things that people say, well, you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, you just can't. Well, but you can do that. But you can't do that. And it's just it's just obnoxious already. I agree with you, Chad. It's tiresome. It's old. And this is why people have issues with the game of baseball because of things like this. Let the kids play, as you say. Let these guys show their personalities, be who they are, and allow the game to grow and not shrink it like we have been seeing from some of these older managers or players that maybe even played 20 years ago that are now managers and and just not, you know, give this team any sort of reason to, you know, enjoy it. And and I will say this, you know, you got a guy in Tony La Russa who's 76 years old. Yes, he is old school, but you mentioned him earlier. Joe Madden, who's very well into his 60s, he's a guy who's very, even though he's old school, I think he has a new school mentality. So, you know, it's interesting how you can still be of a certain age, but no matter what, you can still have a different perspective when it comes to how the game of baseball is and what it's about. And I think Dusty Baker would be another guy who I think has that new school mentality and doesn't have a problem with some of this stuff. So I would say, yes, that it, it's a it's an issue and it's something that they have to clean up because it's not going to make anything more enjoyable for fans of the game. It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. If you're a Cubs fan, you know that when an opposing player hits a home run at Wrigley Field, the tradition is to throw the ball back. But when did this tradition start? Legend has it that it started in 1969, when Hank Aaron of the Braves hit a home run and the Cubs fan who caught it wanted to give the ball to Aaron, but he ignored him. The following year in 1970, Aaron homered again at the friendly confines and the same fan caught the home run ball. Because of what happened a year ago, this time he threw the ball back onto the field and it's been happening ever since. That's your Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment, offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league-style ball club. 
To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. Time now for the 7th inning stretch, and we are joined by, we, we like to call a return guest friend of the show, Alex Cohen, the voice of the AAA Iowa Cubs. Alex, welcome back to the 7th inning stretch and the friendly confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me, and uh, I guess I didn't disappoint my first episode two years ago, and, you know, two years later and 20 pounds later, here we are, and now uh, now a baseball season uh, that, that we could talk about, not 2020, where you know, we didn't have as much content to, to speak about, but now, you know, big Cubs are doing well. Iowa Cubs are doing well. Minor leagues are starting and it's a, it's a great time to be a Cubs fan and a baseball fan. Well, you definitely crushed it the first time through and, and, and we're having you on because I mean, what a thing to talk about. I mean, we, we we're, we're in the month. Uh, there was a delay in, in minor leagues starting back up with COVID minor league was a casualty for the entire year. What the heck did you do with your off season? That was the longest off season of your career, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I hadn't gone 30 years without not going to a baseball game for a year. You know, I think the last time that happened, I was four. Now I'm 33. So, uh, yeah, carry the two. 29 years. So it's been that long since I hadn't consumed baseball in that way. And, you know, we kept ourselves busy. You know, my girlfriend and I, we fostered a dog, then adopted a dog, went from a one-bedroom house to a two-bedroom house to a or to a one-bedroom apartment to a two-bedroom apartment. Then we bought a house and uh, decided it would be really smart to apply to be on HDTV and film House Hunters. And so we, we bought a house, got a dog, we're on television, and yet uh, no baseball was involved in, in those 18 months. But I, yeah, uh, I, I, I know you've got all the, you have all the major league aspirations, but I love yeah. that the way you kept your media profile up and raised was wasn't all me TV, you know, was house seven, hunters. seven o'clock in the morning yeah my girlfriend woke up and said hey you know i'm gonna apply to be on hgtv or should we apply to be on hgtv i said knock yourself out well famous last words because you know two weeks later we were interviewing two months later we were filming six months later we were on television and i was getting uh, eviscerated by social media so that's how we kept busy but no i mean we did some stuff with the iowa cubs um you know we simulated MLB the show games mm -hmm. and then I would broadcast those games and we would post them on Facebook and Twitter and um, just having 5,000 people listen to a MLB the show baseball simulation of Iowa Cubs baseball and people commenting and and asking for shout outs I mean it was just crazy I mean people were just so starved for not only baseball in general but but Cubs baseball Chicago Cubs baseball Iowa Cubs baseball it just shows the the intense fan base that that the Cubs have, and um, it really kept us afloat uh, during last year, where where we didn't have baseball, which is something that minor league baseball is not used to. So we're just a couple weeks into the minor league season. Mm -hmm. So much happened to minor league baseball in the last couple of months since COVID happened with uh, major league baseball coming in and taking a bigger role with yep. different uh, affiliates going away or, or dis disaffiliating. Um, but the Iowa Cubs, they are a solid part of the Cubs organization, the operation. Yep. So we, I'm going to talk a little bit about the team a little bit, but holy cow. I mean, within a week of your first game, you're doing a no hitter. I yeah. mean, what, what, I mean, walk us through that. So for, so for our listeners and our viewers, 
you know, if you if you haven't been following what's going on the farm, the, the four pitchers for the Cubs combined for a, for a no hitter um, a week into the season, and I, and I do believe it had been like six or seven hundred games or days rather since that had happened in the minors. It happens more often, it seems like, in the majors, but yeah. it had to have been a thrill for you to call. It was, um, yeah. I called one other no hitter uh, in my professional broadcasting career. That was back in 2012 with the Huntsville Stars, Double uh, A affiliate for the Brewers. And it was different because in that game, yeah, the Huntsville Stars had a no-hitter, but they walked 11, they committed three errors, and they gave up two runs. Right. So, yes, it was a no-hitter, but an anticlimactic no-hitter. But, you know, for the Iowa Cubs, it was their first no-hitter in seven years, and it was their first no-hitter at home in 37 years. And it was a legit no-hitter, 15 strikeouts, no hits, three walks, and no real threat of hits until that final inning. And you know, just being able to cap off the first week back at Principal Park in 600 plus days with a no hitter to give our fans something unique to cheer about, not just coming to baseball games and being a fan in a baseball park, which you're not able to do in 2020, but able to do that in 2021, to be able to do that, to finish off a home stand, to secure a series victory against Indianapolis, an opponent we haven't faced in 27 years with a no hitter. It was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed it. For our hardcore big league Cubs fans who really just focus on Clark and Addison. And when names come up and, and like, like guys that, you know, let's the casual fan that may be listening to our show or the ones that just aren't digging into all the different affiliates, who are you most excited about that's on the field right now that you think you're not going to have them very much longer, or at least you may have just another season. Yeah, no, I'll give you a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, the pitcher's Corey Abbott. Uh, Corey's mm-hmm. a guy who has gone up through the Cubs system in terms of prospect rankings and affiliations since he got drafted four years ago. If you look at Baseball America as the 12th-ranked prospect, MLB Pipeline, he's the 15th-ranked prospect. He came into the Iowa Cubs season in 2021, making his Triple A debut. 2019, he was the Cubs minor league pitcher of the year. Two starts for Corey Abbott. He got his first AAA win his last time out. He struck out 16 batters in 10 games, mid-90s fastball. He's got a cutter slash slider. Uh, that is a plus pitch. I mean, it's one that has generated so many swings and misses through the, his first two starts of the season. I've been really impressed by him. I would be very shocked if he doesn't make his big league debut in 2021. And then from a position player standpoint, a guy who's really impressed in spring training in both 2020 and 2021, P.J. Higgins, he was a guy drafted out of Old Dominion uh, in 2016, just a professional hitter. He came out as an infielder, uh, and then the Cubs transitioned him into being a catcher, but he is your 2021 quintessential utility player. He can play first, he can play third, he can catch, he can DH, he can play the outfield. But he's a what I call a 300 hitter. 3 a.m. he wakes up, he can give you one for three, four quality at-bats, draw a walk, hit a double, two-strike hitting, two-out approach. Just a professional hitter. I mean, he's a guy who's hitting 350 to start the season, on-base percentage around 500, OPS over 1,000 here at this level. When, when hitting is really struggling throughout minor league baseball, and as you said, no hitters, there were three consecutive days of no hitters in minor league baseball this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the big leagues, they've obviously had four and a half no hitters, if you consider the Madison Bumgarner a half a no hitter in seven innings. So uh, P.J. Higgins is a guy who has hit at every single level that he's been at. And the fact that he plays a premium position as a catcher, he should be in the big leagues at some point, just with the versatility that he's able to bring and the quality at bat he's able to bring. So P.J. Higgins would be my position player. Corey Abbott would be my pitcher to look out for on the Iowa Cubs. 
So I want to put you on the spot here. You watch more baseball games and have watched more baseball games than most of our listeners. You just have by your career. You've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. How would you change Major League Baseball? What would you do to fix that? You just mentioned one of the problems there. You know, strikeouts are up, hitting is down. The offenses seem to have uh, have started to to falter a little bit. Uh, Anything you would do to tweak the game? It's tough because I, I come from the, the age of baseball purism that, that I like the game that I grew up with and I don't want to change it. That being said, at the minor league level, I like the extra inning rule because I'll tell you what, if I'm calling a game solo, I don't want to do 15 innings. I don't yeah. want to do four and a half hour games. I'm not you know, throwing position players in the 15th inning. Uh, that, that's not what I want. To change baseball, though, for me, and I, this is a realization that I've come to over the last probably year and a half. Um, and that was, I want a universal DH. I don't need to see pitchers sitting anymore. Sorry, I got the phone going on. That's okay. Too popular. But I want a universal DH. I mean, yes, it, it's great watching pitchers hit, watching pitchers like Madison Bumgarner hit five home runs in a year. Uh, but if you look at these guys, I mean, even the best hitting pitchers, I mean, look at Mike Hampton and his era winning silver sluggers as a pitcher. He struck up 40% of his at bats. You're giving away four out of every 10 at bats. The average hitting pitcher is hitting 142 this year. 86% of the time, they're getting out. Half of those times, they're striking out. It's a waste of an at-bat. So I, I would I, I don't need to see non-competitive at-bats anymore. I want a universal DH. Every single person that tells me that they want they want hit, uh, pitchers hitting don't go to as many games as I go to. No. They, I mean, yes. It As I said, it's cool watching Madison Bumgarner hit five home runs in a year. Or when Carlos Zambrano did it. It's fun. Yeah, but for the one at-bat that he does do that in every 10 at-bats, he strikes out six more times and not competitive at-bats eight more times. So. Everybody yeah. remembers Kerry Wood in 2003 in game seven. Everybody remembers Travis Wood. They remember Ariadne. Yeah. They remember yeah. the big ones, but you certainly do not remember the at-bats where the guys just like, just throw three, what, three, what just throw three strikes. I don't care. I want to go back. Just, yeah, exactly. Not fun. So, yeah, I like that. I I, I, uh, I hear you on the extra inning rules. I would like them to play out a couple extra innings. Like, let's play a couple extra and then put them on there on the 12th or something. Okay. Just give but it a chance. Also, I'm not opposed to a tie. I'm really not. There's nothing joyful. I've never, I, I've done the long games, but there's nothing joy. I don't want to do that often. That's like, that's no. like a one-time thing. You know, it's like waiting in yeah, line. I'm, I'm not a, a I've called a 16 inning game before one that took five hours and it's cool to do it once. I don't ever have to do that again. No, thank you. And once again, special thanks to Alex Cohen, another friend of the show, a two-time appear or guest i guess you could say of the seventh inning stretch really love his take i love his energy i'm so gunning for him i think he does such a great job he's got such a, a kind of every man's voice great enthusiasm i would love to see him get a look at a higher level and uh, it's it's as he said there's only so many gigs you know radio um in major league baseball which lets you think about like lynn casper making that move that radio job is something you can do forever if you could you could be in there so special thanks to alex you can find him the voice of cohen on Twitter, you can find Ryan at Ryan D. Lieber at Twitter. You can find me at the Chad Gordon. Yes, the regular Chad Gordon was taken, so I chose the Chad Gordon. And you can find us as well on our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Headquarters on Facebook. It's a great community, um, great energy uh, uh, posts all the time by, by great fans and members. And, and Rhino, we've got a website, right? We do have a website. Check us out at theconfines.com. You can also send us your email address or put it in at the website, and we will send you 
the newest episodes of the podcast as they come out each week, so you don't have to go searching for it. Of course, also, we have a new web show that we're doing with the Barroom Network. You can catch that on Monday nights, so be sure to follow us on our social media pages so you can see when that runs and how you can find us, because we do the podcast, because I know you've talked about this, Chad. People say, hey, you're doing your show online now. Well, no, this is in addition to this podcast. We're just bringing you more material because you just are, are just asking for more Cubs information and we're here to bring it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I like seeing your face and your reaction. It's a different, it's a different uh, format for us. And so far, you know, we're getting, you know, we're getting in the neighborhood. If you look at all the different platforms, we're getting in the neighborhood of like 1500 views right out of the gate. And it's, it's, it's up, it's not dated. So if you want to stumble on it, take a look. But what I love Ryan is you can see my perfectly, manicured uh, a Cubs memorabilia section, which, yes, I did block off half of a walk-in closet, but it looks damn good. It's got the David Ross signed jersey. It's got my Jordan uh, signed uh, basketball that has a signed World Series baseball from the entire 2016 team, um, played actually in order of appearance in Game 7, which I don't think you knew that. Um, what I love about your background is it just shows what can be done with $300 <laughs> at Container Store. That's right. That's right. Uh, my wife is single-handedly keeping them in business. So that's, an, <laughs> you know, maybe we get some stock options at the end of all of this. But uh, yes, uh, my wife, Allison, has done an excellent job of organizing our office. And one side is obviously all her stuff. And then she kind of put the remnants of my things on the other shelf. <laughs> the um, rem- so that's, that's the remnants how of it was. my life. Yeah, that's basically, <laughs> it's been relegated to our one room here in the office. That's where all my stuff is. So that's If uh, you're still listening, uh, um, uh, tweet at us, uh, hashtag after the confines. Use the hashtag after the confines and, and just sound off in solidarity to all the married guys like Ryan that, uh, that now are just, just allowed a, a little cubby in, uh, in the, yeah. the whole house the, of their entire life. The joy of being single, Chad. Stay, keep on enjoying it if you can. So That's a single man's walk-in closet. I, I'm is, not going to lie. That is 100%. Um, so with that, let us move on to the eighth inning now, Chad. And, you know, we've talked about the bullpen and how great it's been. And one bright spot for this team that, you know, has really looked good is Justin Steele who has not allowed an earned run or a run for that matter in his 11 appearances this season. I mean, he's, he's actually looked really, really good. He's got 21 strikeouts against seven uh, walks. And while he did leave the last game that he pitched against the nationals with hamstring tightness, hopefully it's nothing, nothing serious. Um, Are we looking at a guy who potentially once Craig Kimbrell is no longer on this team, the next closer for the Chicago Cubs. What do you think? He has electric stuff. I'm not going to go into the rest of the bullpen, but look up the bullpen stats. They are a top three bullpen in baseball. They are statistically. This team has turned into one of the best bullpens in baseball, and it's sneaking. It's keeping the team in a lot of games, especially with that quick hook for a lot of the starting pitchers. But Steele, oh my God, he, Steele, just he has such electric stuff. Um, when was the last time that a guy came in and people said, whoa, or tweeting, whoa, or like, you know, the, the eyes bulging emoji. He elicited that. He's got stuff and he's got the control that we've seen so far that makes you dream big. And, and you wonder with his overpowering stuff, is it is it destined to be a closer? And hey, that's not a bad thing. Get a guy young. Don't get a guy, you know, 
Craig Kimbrell's done fantastic this year. Has actually done fantastic since halfway through last year. Um, we had to get him off the free agent. Let's can the this this front office develop a closer of their own and and have him make a go. This could be the guy, um, especially if Kimbrell's going to get traded at the at the deadline if the if the Cubs become sellers. You're going to hold on to Justin Seal. He is a solid solid guy. Yeah. Uh, so let me correct myself. He's pitched 13.1 innings. He's allowed three runs. He's a 2.03 ERA. Now, someone who has not allowed an earned run or any runs is Keegan Thompson. 11 innings pitched, yeah. no earned runs at all. He's He's been dynamite as well. But back to Steele for a moment. As you said, yeah, this kid is, is absolutely electric. I mean, this guy throws with a fury. And I certainly think, you know, we talked about how the Cubs were kind of hurting for developing pitchers, but in the meantime, it, it appears they got some guys who can throw the ball a little bit. So maybe the, um, you know, the, the, this, this farm system with some of the arms that they have are a little better than what we anticipated and, and might overall, um, you know, be down the stretch or down the line one day, uh, a very dominant bullpen or rotation uh, you know, pitcher for that matter, um, because he's got the stuff. There is no doubt about that. I, uh, we have some late breaking news and I love this as a podcast. So people will be like, yeah, dude, it's, I'm listening to this on Saturday. What's late breaking about this, but reports just came in. Justin Steele might be out for a bit. He had some tight tightness. Guess why? Cause he was running the bases. Not necessary. See, that's what I hate when teams start getting cute. And if, if, <laughs> If all of a sudden Steele becomes into like a Pedro Strope sort of situation and it completely tanks uh, the next couple of weeks for him, I'm going to be ticked off. But yeah, Justin Steele, hamstring tightness from running the bases and yeah, might be out yeah. for a bit. That Great yeah. news. Fantastic. Way to go. Bossy. That's all right. So fantastic. let's finish up here. Let's let's how about some lighter news, Chad? Yeah. In the ninth inning. We'll finish up with this. If you were on Twitter and if you're a follower of Ferguson Jenkins, former uh, Cubs ace and Hall of Famer, um, he posted something about a giveaway for a Cubs poster that featured him from a, you know, a giveaway in 1983 after he recorded his 3000th strikeout. So of course we know that the Cubs have giveaway days and there are, you know, certain items that are more popular than others. So I'm curious, Chad, because you still go to the games so a lot more often than I do. And you probably have the opportunity to get some of these giveaways. What is your favorite giveaway day that the Cubs hold that you, when you go to a game, you go, Ooh, you know, I really would like one of those. What, what is it for you? The, every now and then there's some unique ones and there's fun ones. I, again, I'm pretty lucky. And I know this sounds like a humble brag or it sounds like I'm bo- boasting about being a season ticket holder. I just am. I'm a season holder for the last decade and I, I'm proud to be a season ticket holder. I'm never going anywhere. I was there during the losingest uh, year in Cubs franchise history. I was there on, on the winningest, you know, and, uh, um, and, and so I have access, you know, through my agent that I could say, Hey, I missed that. I really like the Javi bobblehead. And they'll like put, they'll set things aside for you, which is really cool. So you don't have to always be there because what stinks about, uh, about the giveaways to me is I don't want to be in line. I don't want, like I go to a lot of games. I don't need to be at the park 90 minutes early or two hours early to, to get the bobblehead or to get the, you know, to give away at them. I know, I know that's not what you asked me, but I will share with, that. I hate the giveaways because they're, they're, they're in, they're designed to get people, you know, 10,000 people to the, the ballpark early starting buying food and hot dogs and things for the kiddos. So I would say of, of all the items that I really enjoy, I like some of the bobbleheads 
I like some of the, the, the custom pieces. There was a, a hoodie um, a couple years ago that I think StubHub sponsored. I like that one. And I, I like the unique ones. I like the ones where they do like special hats in, in the bleachers where they're trying to amp up the bleacher attendance. But I don't know. What about you? What's what, And you asked specifically about giveaways. So I would probably have to say the Arietta, um No, no. I would say I would say the Rizzo and Bryant uh, last out bobblehead. That's probably my favorite one that I got as a as a giveaway. That is good. So, you know, of course, bobbleheads are become all the rage now, I feel like. So when I was a kid growing up, I used to love and I still I know that they still do this. So, you know, if you ever want to be generous and tell your agent to hold on to one of these for me, let me know. I loved the bucket hat day when the Cubs would have their like bucket hats and they would give those away. I used to go to all those games. Those are always my favorite games that I'd get like a Cubs bucket hat and I'd wear it to the game or I'd go to games wearing the ones that I got from the game. I actually used to do that. I would I would wear like one of those hats to a Cubs game and, you know, just look like a bum. Um, it was it was great. I don't know why. It was just kind of a thing that I started, you know, getting into when I was a kid that I would collect every bucket hat every year um, that I had the opportunity to go to a game and I would like look to see when that particular game was. So for me, it was that, but now I feel like the Cubs or all baseball teams for that matter have gotten so much better when it comes to giveaways and some of the intricacies to the point where people will rush to the stadium just so they can get one before they run out. Um, Luckily being in South Florida, the Marlins normally don't run out. So if I get there, you know, maybe a, a half hour before the game, they still have plenty left, whether it's a bobblehead or something else. So that for me is, is the thing I always enjoyed was the bucket hat that uh, the bucket hat. I always, that's, I always liked that a lot. That's a, that's a fun one. And, and they still give those away. So I will tell you that next time they have one of those hats, it's the flop. I think they call it a floppy floppy hat. hat. Floppy. Yes. But, yeah, but I like the bucket. I thought you were initially talking about like the plastic hard hat. And I'm like, you can get that anytime. You just have to like down one of those 5,000 calorie uh, nacho things or like the big Sunday thing. I thought you were talking about the plastic hat, which I want one of those. I really, really want one of those. Those old school, like they look batting helmets, but totally. alas, we're going off topic. Right, just, just get a big nacho. Just get a yeah. No, no, nacho. I'm not getting a big nacho. I, I, I went through that phase in life, and uh, and okay. I, I, I feel like I've had my last, uh, I've had my last. Uh, uh, pretzel with cheese at Wrigley um, and my triglycerides are very much thanking me for that as well. So, <laughs> hey, on that note, Ronald, fun show. This was a lot of fun. You mentioned earlier we're doing the live studio show every Monday night at 730. Obviously, with some holidays coming up and things like that. But we're actually going to be on location um, in San Diego for the Cub Series. We're going to be on location um, at Wrigley for a few games for our pregame show. We're having a lot of fun with that. So please join us. You can join us live by following Barroom Sports, Barroom Network on Facebook. Also following our Twitter. You can see that. You can also watch it as it's been recorded. But this wraps up another really, really fun show. You like this show tonight, Rhino? I enjoyed this, Chad. This was a this was a good one. We had a lot to talk about, a lot of fun topics. That was that was good. And I enjoyed uh, the interview with Alex Cohen as well. Good stuff. So with that, we will bring you all home. Thanks for listening. We absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you're following us on the Twitter. We already told you how. Um, That is it for Ryan. It's Chad. We're going to see you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. 
The first time you walk into Wrigley 